0: Do I need a particular...
1: <laughs> no, I'd be glad to. I'm not very good on makeup, but, you know... Me You, get, you get sort of splotchy. It's quite it hard day. to stay in
0: the lines, I find. That's legendary editor Judith Jones, maybe best known in the food world for being the champion of Julia Child's Mastering the Art of French Cooking. We're picking back up our conversation with her from last time. If you haven't yet, listen to that episode for some pretty great Julia Child impersonation. If Judith can't do this well, no one can, and for her thoughts on cookbooks and working with our authors, including the ones she loved like friends and the ones she never could, plus some of her biggest gripes in recipe writing. I'm Kenzie Wilbur. this is Burnt Toast, and today we're talking more about Judith's life. We dedicated a lot of the last episode to exploring the time she spent helping cooks be better teachers, and through that, better cooks. She's perfected and fastidiously removed the set-asides from other people's recipes, but she's also a cook herself. I wanted to know about her own personal intersection with food, what role it played in her home kitchen, in her marriage, in her family. A quick reminder that we recorded this over lunch, so you might hear some clanging plates and forks at times, or Judith telling me to let her finish her eggs. It's fitting, though, as is the fact that we're in her dining room. It's the same one she grew up eating in as a little girl. And today, that's where we'll start, with cooking as a way to resurface memories.
1: Cooking does evoke such memories, Mm -hmm. smells, textures, music, and suddenly, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, you just stop dead almost, because something reminds you of maybe when you were five years old and you had your first bread pudding, as I did, and... We were doing a story on on Welsh inns, and so we were traveling all across Wales, which is beautiful country, beautiful people. I imagine. And we were in a little country inn, and the dessert was bread pudding, and it was made. It was steaming hot, and the na- it was clean, sparkling white napkin was wrapped around it. And that's the way we used to serve it, right in this dining room when I was a little girl. And it was the combination of the smell. the And it was as real as you sitting over there. Okay.
0: Is that what you love about cooking, the memory?
1: I love that part of it, yeah. I think you should of refer to childhood and some of the things that you love doing. Mm-hmm. and. I'm quite the opposite from the person who grumbles there isn't enough time. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to make something that I know I'll enjoy and I the years at Knopf I almost always brought the elements of a sandwich or this or that, but not I wouldn't make the sandwich and let it get all soggy. And you know, cook for twenty seconds. Well what's twenty seconds? So you do a little dance for the (laughs) You don't have to count (laughs) No, it's genuine, I love it And all of this you do when you come home At the end of a long day And I think people say to themselves I don't want to sit down and make a whole dinner But mm. (laughs) I shouldn't talk Let me finish my eggs
0: Yes, please, please
1: They'll all be on the rug.
0: (laughs) We took a quick break to eat cake, as you should do after lunch, and then I asked Judith about her husband. They'd written books together and spent time traveling abroad. I wanted to know how they worked together in the kitchen. Basically, I wanted to know if one of Judith's rules of cooking applied to their relationship.
1: I do find some people, usually related, that... It's better not to try to cook together.
0: Yes. <laughs> Why is that?
1: I don't know. I think that once one starts really enjoying cooking, you're so afraid that somebody's going to take it away from you. I don't know.
0: Do you mean in the sense that they'll take over, and
1: you'll sort not so much take over, but they'll say. Now, why are you doing this? And then they'll say, well, my way of doing it is this. Mm-hmm. And it gets argumentative. Mm-hmm.
0: But it turns out they did cook together, and well. Here's a story on Richard Jones, or, as Judith would have it, Evan.
1: He, he was Richard, Richard Evan Jones, but I loved the Evan with the Jones because it's so
0: was he welch. Not, was he not called Evan before you met him? He was called Richard? Did he go by he Richard? was called
1: Evan. It was my idea. <laughs>
0: You edited his name. <laughs>
1: <Are> you bet. <bad? laughs>
0: <laughs> so what was it like to cook with him?
1: Well, it was very sweet because after this time in Paris, he said to me, I think I'd like to do some cooking. And he'd obviously been observing. I don't think he even wrote anything down, but it was in his head. And I said, OK, and let's have a promise that... I won't criticize you and you won't criticize me. And he said, he couldn't have been more pleased because (laughs) men don't like to be criticized. (laughs) And from uh, the other stipulation was that it had something to do with the, the big garland stove we had, but it was a technicality. But he would, when we were doing the New England book, I used to have to to commute on weekends because I had other thing, projects in New York. And, you know, it's not good not to be around. Yes, I do. So I would go off to Grand Central about 8 in the evening, and I'd get to Burlington about midnight, pick up my car, and I'd drive up our long driveway just about 1 o'clock in the morning, one thirty, and spend the weekend, then go home again. <laughs> And so it was wonderful because he was really sort of forced to experiment with some of our... And I walked in on a Sunday night, and these, I think there were about six dishes, quite complicated, that were all there waiting for me to taste. I can't remember what they were. (laughs) Some of them he made up, I think. But he would look at a book and toss it away.
0: So you had a rule not to criticize each other.
1: We didn't In the kitchen. Was never. there
0: a time where you ever had to hold your tongue?
1: That I wanted to? Yes. Oh, sure. I mean, I would think he'll find out because he would see it happening and realize it needed a little more flour or something.
0: And you'll think that's what I was going to say. Yeah.
1: So never think you know it all. Yeah. I was very lucky. And we are home sort of journey of discovery was together. And we mostly stayed in places for a few months. Somebody was away or something like that. And uh, so we had time to make our own recipes up. We used to go down at the end of the week in Paris and take a, we had sort of a small barrel-like utensil and We'd go down to the A P city and they had a huge barrel. And so you'd take your little pitcher or barrel or bottle and they would just shh and that's how you bought that particular item and you could see it the colour of everything sort of fit together. So and the nicest person of all in the clue market was a butcher. You're trying to think whether this is a butcher or a fish. doesn't really matter. Let's say it was fish and roasting it whole. I wanted to know how they do that. She said, well, we'll get my wife over here. Well, pretty soon they were making pictures of the fish in the oven and the little reminders of the time. And Yeah. So I was very lucky.
0: Was working with... Evan sort of like cooking with him because you wrote books together. You didn't just cook together. You weren't just married. You also oh, we did a worked lot of with writing, him. Yeah, yeah. Was it sort of similar? What was that like?
1: Well, he did more the writing, mm-hmm. and he'd be very gentle with me if I sort of, you know, wasn't making sense or.
0: So like you had almost the same role of criticism. Mm-hmm. He was gentle.
1: Yeah. And we 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 adopted two children. Of a friend of mine vaguely related to and he lost his parents so we took him and his sister and they became our family so we were all sort of starting from scratch that's a good way to begin with with food it is And we have a lot of fun together and he loves although i'll tell you this story and then you can shut me up but the first winter we were all together, we were in another apartment because we needed more room. And I said to them the first night that we had dinner, I said, you know, we're kind of goofy and we just do love food and we spend a lot of time on it and I hope you won't mind. And Chris said, oh, great. And so I said, and the only stipulation is you can't say I don't like it. And <laughs> So we had also we had the usual that we would have when when things were in season and so on. But one night he it was sort of a long dinner. I don't remember why we were just at the end of it, and he said, "May I ask you what I ate?"?" <laughs> <laughs> and he'd eaten tripe, and we had to be on. <laughs> And he said, thank you, and he, there was a long <laughs> hole, and he ran down the hole with
0: <laughs> so,
1: I So I think he felt he had to jump on or no that was, hope.
0: That was the only choice.
1: But the truth is, he likes food.
0: How old were they when you adopted them?
1: Well, he was just going into high school, and his sister was two years younger. Okay. And he wasn't. He wasn't hugely experimental, but he was willing to try. Mm -hmm. And that's where's Audrey. (laughs) What does this mean, simmer? What's a simmer? (laughs) We thought we'd do a book together for cooking for, you know, young people who've never cooked before. Yeah. In fact, I feel that I didn't really succeed in telling the totally novice cook some of the things he needs to know mm-hmm. but it never Marion Cunningham did it instead oh, <laughs> she, she beat you she to would, it with a gentler approach <laughs> you have to be sensitive because particularly with young people and they're so delighted when it works and
0: I would read yours though. Yeah, I think that would be yeah. valuable. So, did your kids have an in- have a vested interest in cooking, or did you have to bring them into the kitchen with you? Were
1: they interested? Yeah. No, they'd had a, they'd had a nurse housekeeper named Giggy, and Giggy gave them Friday night this Saturday night this Saturday. That was the routine. And she sort of gave them what they liked. But she, she also sort of brought them into her family a lot. There were a lot of seasonal celebrations up in Harlem, and they'd go to the movies and sit. Remember the old movie houses when you were almost touching the sky? Mm. They loved that. I did too. <clears throat> but you don't know mind my, my saying they're awfully fussy about hygiene. No, I don't. not as fussy... <laughs> Not at all, but I do want you to explain. My kitchen's never been so clean because they cannot pass the counter without wiping it all. <sighs> I, I'm beginning to say we're going to be flavored with detergent. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, anyway, that's all part of the fun. Yes. So we hey, we we weathered it. Yeah. I think food helped. Yes. But I think people who love food have something that will be precious to them all their lives.
0: Thank you to Judith for inviting me and my producer inside her home, for feeding us lunch and cake, and for coming up with the most perfect ending that ever lived to this series of episodes. If you're interested in more of her life and work, go read her memoir. It's called The Tenth Muse, My Life and Food, and it's a wonderful read. And that is it for this episode of Burnt Toast. Thanks to my producer, Kristen Meinzer, and also to Laura Mayer, Henry Malofsky, and Andy Bowers at Panoply. Please let us know what you think of the show. Our Twitter handle is at Food52, or you can leave us a review on iTunes. For Judith Jones, I'm Kenzie Wilbur. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks so much for listening.